Billy Graham probably preached the gospel to more people than anyone on the earth. And a question that people uh, ponder sometimes is, what is the largest crowd, the largest crusade that Billy Graham ever preached to? And according to the Billy Graham website, the largest crowd ever was held in Seoul, South Korea in June of 1973. And at this last, this last meeting of this crusade in Seoul, there were 1.1 million people who attended the service at the crusade. To give some perspective, that would be like if we filled up Neyland Stadium over 10 times. Okay, that's how many people were there uh, at this last crusade in Seoul. One spokesman says that Korea was a predominantly Buddhist country with a strong Buddhist influence within high society and government and politics. But after the crusade, people saw the positive impact and benefits of Christianity. There was a strong mobilization of believers and the church has become a major force with more than 10% of the population being Christian including many of our leaders in politics, business, and academia. People are not surrendering their lives to Christ. They were funneled into evangelical churches, and God has continued to bless. And so this is this incredible event that occurred there and that transformed uh, the country of South Korea as it became more and more uh, a place where Christianity was flourishing and growing among the population. And although it's a great thing to gather 1.1 million people together uh, to, to hear God's word preached and to worship the Lord, you had to move those people into smaller groups than that. That's what they said. They said we, we funneled them into these churches all over the country because that's where the training takes place. And the same thing is true in our discipleship journey. And so today, we're going to learn about the C group or the connect group. If you've been with us here the last couple of weeks, throughout the month of August, we've been going through what we call the discipleship journey. And the discipleship journey is our church's plan. This is how we are to fulfill our mission and our vision as a church to be disciples and to make disciples. And so we believe that it starts with the A group, who is anyone, anyone who is in our city, anyone that you work with, anyone that's in your household, anyone that goes to your school is someone that we want to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and trust in him as their Lord and Savior. And we want them to move from the A group into the B group, the big group, into the church. We want them to become part of what God is doing here in our church family. And so they would come and become part of this church by trusting in Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life. And the next step that we want them to take, then we want you to take, that we're going to be talking about this morning, is to move into a smaller group called a connect group, uh, which is part of our church family. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd ask that you'd stand in honor of God's word if you're able. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, the word of God says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Thank you. You may be seated. And so here's the action step for us today. 
The action step as we study this passage of scripture is we want for you to commit to study God's word and to find fellowship in a connect group in our church family. And so there may be people here, this is your first time, you're, you're visiting, uh, maybe you've been visiting for a while, maybe you've been a member of this church for a long time, but you've never become part of a connect group. Uh, so this is the action step for today. We want you to commit to study God's word and to find fellowship in these connect groups because there's two things that we're going to point out in this passage of Scripture that are going to be important for you in your discipleship journey. They're going to be important for you in your walk with the Lord that you find in a connect group. And the first one is this. You find partnership in the Word. You're going to find partnership in the Word inside of these connect groups. In verse 16, Paul writes to Timothy and says to him, All scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Now what the Bible teaches us is that the Holy Spirit will bring the word into our hearts. As you read the word of God, the Holy Spirit will illuminate your heart. It will illumine your mind uh, so that you will know God's word and, and understand God's word. And as a church, we are committed to this word. This is uh, the building blocks of, of what, we, what we believe and of what we do and of who we are. The, the, the word of God is central here in our church. It's our authority. It's our guide. It's, it's inspired by God, Paul says. And so that word that he uses there for inspired, it literally means that it was breathed out by God. That that these are the words that God breathed out. So that means that these are his words. That makes them perfect. That makes them holy. That makes them true. That makes them trustworthy. That makes them powerful. That makes them authoritative which means that we need to know them, which means that we need to follow after them. You think back to the very beginning of the Bible in the creation story. The Bible tells us that God breathed the breath of life into Adam to create life. And in the same way, he breathes his word into our hearts to create new life, to make us a new man or woman after God's own heart. And so these words are not my words. These words are not your words. These words are not man-made words. This is God's word, which makes this book different than any other book that you'll ever read. This word of God is at work in our lives to grow us in our relationship with Jesus. That we're being molded like a like a potter is molding clay we are like clay in the potter's hands he's molding us through his word to become more and more like Jesus and this process is called sanctification Paul tells Timothy here how the word will sanctify us he says that this word is inspired by God these are his words They are breathed out by God, and they are profitable for us to do several things. He says it's profitable for teaching, which means that this this Bible is going to teach us the doctrine and the principles of Christian living. 
that we're going to learn about God, we're going to learn about his character, we're going to learn about his work in history, we're going to learn about his plan for your life here in this word. He says that this word is profitable to us for rebuking, which means that this word is going to convict us, it's going to, it's going to call out our disobedience to the Lord, it's going to expose the sin of our hearts. And so we're going to learn about what God expects from us and about how we should live. He says that this word is profitable for correcting. And that word, it means to, to make something straight, something that's crooked. It's, it's, it's a visual of like resetting a bone that's been broken. He says that this Bible is going to correct and make straight. It's going to set our lives on God's path. He says that this word is profitable for training in righteousness, which means it's going to discipline us for godliness. And so I want you to know that the greatest catalyst for spiritual growth in your life is reading God's word, is reading this book that's in your hand. This is what is going to help you more than anything else in knowing who God is and, and following after him because this is how God has revealed himself to us. This is how he speaks to us. So when you read his word, his Holy Spirit is going to work in your heart as you are in his word. Now this passage is often preached from the perspective of how the Bible is the word of God. Most of the time when you see 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture is inspired by God, the, the sermon is usually about the inspiration of the Holy, of the Holy Word of God, that it's about uh, you know, how God's word is trustworthy and all those things that we just talked about. But if you look at the, at the context of the book, you see there is a great application to our message today. Because Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, who was a young pastor, and the whole letter is instructing him on how he should lead the church well. It's instructing him on, on how to be a good pastor. And so this passage is not just about how the word is at work in me, it's about how the word is at work in us. Because he's, he's instructing Timothy on how to employ and to preach God's word in the church because it's about how we're going to use the word of God to teach and to rebuke and to correct and to train one another that we are all partners together in the word when Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 14 he says, we exhort you, brothers and sisters, to warn those who are idle, to comfort the discouraged, to help the weak, to be patient with everyone. These instructions are about how they're partners together in the word, how they're going to encourage and, and, and warn and comfort and help and be patient. All those things are about how they're partnering together in the word. So these letters to the churches and, and to the church leaders that you find throughout the New Testament are all about how we're going to live out the kingdom of God together. And so we want to be a people of the book. We want to be a people where God's word will dwell richly among us. 
And so that means we have to ask ourselves, are we going to believe the scriptures? Are we going to obey them? Are we gonna be a people who are committed to the Bible and who are committed to living it out together? Because when you get inside of a connect group, that smaller group, that building block of the big group, it's a place where we can work out the direct application of God's word into our lives. Where we can say to one another, that social media post wasn't very Christ-like. Where we can say to one another and ask, well, what does the Bible say about how we should treat our spouse? Or we can ask, what does it mean for us to truly forgive someone like the Bible tells us to? Where we can ask, how are we supposed to live like we consider others as more important than ourselves? What does that even mean? And the connect group is where you ask those questions and where you work out the application of the word. Francis Schaeffer, an apologist, said, our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. That as we live this out together, you know this to be true because you've probably heard people that don't believe in the Lord say these things to you. Well, people of the church don't even act like they believe this stuff. They're not loving each other like they should. They're not even, they don't even seem to follow what the Bible says. And if they're right, then we're putting out a terrible defense of Christianity. We're putting out a terrible example of what it is that we're called to be and to, and to do. And so your connect group is where you're going to be able to partner together to grow in the Word. And here on the Wallace campus, we have connect groups that meet at 8.15 and at 9.30 and at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. There's three hours of connect groups. that are. There's some that are meeting right now as we're in here in the sanctuary. In fact, I get asked the question sometimes, why don't we just have one service and have two connect groups? And the answer is, we can't put all of our connect groups in two hours. I mean, that's the answer. We might could put everybody in our two services into the sanctuary at one time, but I'd rather fill it up twice anyway. But we can't put all of our connect groups into two hours. And so that's the answer to the question that I get asked sometimes. But as you look at all these connect groups, there are groups for all ages. There are groups for all stages of life, which means there's a connect group for you to be a part of. If you're thinking about being in a connect group, there's one for you right now that exists. But connect groups don't have to meet on Sundays. They can meet at any time of the week. And connect groups don't even have to meet on campus. They can meet anywhere at your house or anywhere else. And connect groups don't even have to be age-specific. Like They don't have to be people in their 50s or, or singles or people in their 30s or whatever. They could be a mix of people from all ages and stages of life, and we have groups just like that. But the point of these connect groups is that you're going to partner with a group of people to fellowship together and to study God's word together. That's the point, that you're going to partner together to fellowship and to study God's word together. 
Now, one of our church's values that you see out on the wall, out in the atrium, is to grow bigger, we must grow smaller. Y'all have heard us say that probably a lot of times if you've been here at Wallace. To grow bigger, we have to grow smaller, which means that if we want to grow larger as a church, as a big group, to reach more people, then these people have to be connected into smaller groups, into these connect groups. Because if you study church growth, there's a church growth, what they call a church growth barrier, that's at about 100 people, which means that as a church grows and they get sort of close up to where 100 people are, there's something systemically, systematically that has to change in order to grow beyond that number. And that's because there's this sociological phenomenon that when a group gets to that size, the dynamics of the group change, right? And that first church growth barrier that's around 100 people, the, the, the phenomenon that happens that, that, that causes the, the change here is that you don't know anybody, know everybody in a personal way anymore, right? When there's 30 people in your church, you know every single person. But if you get beyond about 100 people, you can't know everybody in a personal way anymore. And so that's why a lot of churches never grow beyond that size. They'll get to be 40 people, 50 people, 60 people. They'll start to approach that number, and people begin to feel the dynamics change. And so instead of continuing to reach new people with the gospel, they're content to stay right there. And that's why we have the vast majority of our churches that are that size, Southern Baptist churches across our country. And so to know everyone in the big group here in a personal way is impossible, which is why these connect groups are so important. Because the connect group is the place, like on Cheers, where everybody knows your name, all right? It's the place where you can have deeper connections. It's the place where you can have fellowship. It's a place where there's micro-shepherding taking place. Because your connect group is going to be the folks that will bring over food after you have surgery. Your connect group is going to be the people that might know that you're having a hard time with your, daughter, your teenage daughter. Your connect group is going to be the people that are praying together over some personal prayer requests in your life. Your connect group is the one that's going to get together for meals and for fellowship. And so as you grow bigger, you have to grow smaller into these groups. And so if you've been attending the church and maybe even have joined our church, but you don't feel very connected in the church, it's probably because you haven't been involved in a connect group. Because this is where you're, this is where you're going to get, listen, connected, right? Connected. Because one of the purposes of these groups is fellowship. We want you to have partners that are going to live out the kingdom of God together. We want you to have partners that are going to teach and rebuke and correct and train together. We want you to have partners that are going to say, let's walk this discipleship journey together. And so there's partnership in the word that happens in connect groups. There's also preparation in the word that happens in connect groups. Verse 17, he goes on to say that the word of God is inspired and it's good or profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, so that, he says, the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So you would be complete and equipped. So there's preparation in the word that happens. 
Remember in the A group, we talked about how, how the, this whole discipleship journey is about the movement of the gospel in our lives. And so in that A group, the anyone group, that's the place where the gospel is absent, where they haven't trusted in Jesus yet as their Lord and Savior. And we want them to, to trust in Christ as their Savior, to be born again, be baptized, and become part of the B group, become part of the church. And as they become part of the church, that's where the gospel is preached. Then you move into smaller groups where you get connected in the big group, these connect groups, and that's where the gospel is familiarized. Because it's not just, it's not just about fellowship around the word. The main purpose of connect groups is Bible study itself. Because that's, that's the place where you're being prepared to live out the word. Another one of our church's values that you see out there in the atrium, it's on the wall, you've probably heard us say it lots of times before, is that we're called to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. We don't want you to just hear about the word of God. We want you to do it, to put it into practice. Francis Chan, the author, says, don't fall into the trap of studying the Bible without doing what it says. And so in these connect groups, you're going to be studying the Bible so that you would be growing in your knowledge and in your understanding of God's word. And so when your connect group comes together, the point is that you're studying the Bible together. It's not the place where you're having gossip sessions. It's not the place where we're having political debates. It's not the place where we're doing a book study. It's the place where we're studying God's word. God's word. Paul says in, this, in another letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 13, he says, until I come, this is what I want you to do. Give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. He says, this is what I really want you to focus on. The Bible. <laughs> he says, I want you to, to read it, to preach it, to teach it. And so the whole point is that we would be growing as a disciple of Jesus. So you should be growing as a disciple of Jesus because you're part of a connect group. If you've been in Sunday school for 20 years, you shouldn't still be a baby in your faith. You should be growing in your walk with Jesus because, because you're part of this group that's studying the Bible consistently, week after week, year, month after month, year after year, where we're stretched and we're challenged by God's word to become fully devoted followers of Christ. I'm afraid that sometimes the format of what we, what we called Sunday school was a hindrance to, to people's personal growth in the Lord. For years and years, we called it Sunday school now we call it connect groups. We didn't just say, hey, let's come up with a new name just so it would be interesting. There's a new name because it's, we're trying to communicate a purpose, right? When you think of Sunday school, you think of school. And what do you do at school? What's, what's, what's it like going to school? That's where you have a lecture that you sit through, right? That's what happens at school. You go, you sit through the lecture. Maybe you take notes if you're, if you're trying to be a good student. And so what was being communicated was, we expect for you to listen to this and maybe to be able to recall it later. 
But when you call it a connect group, you see that it's about being in a group where you're connecting together. And so it might be less about lecturing, although there is a teacher in the class, but you'll see chairs that are often situated in such a way that would foster dialogue and communication because we want participation. We want ownership of your faith in the Lord. We want you to be prepared to come and to contribute, not just to learn it intellectually because the goal is not about Bible trivia. It's about Bible training. That's why we write these connect guides that you find out in the atrium that correspond to our current sermon series so that you can take what you're hearing in a sermon here in the big group and you can go to your connect group and talk about it together and apply it together. And so these groups, by default, should be growing and multiplying because we're trying to move people from the A group into the B group, the big group, and we're trying to fold them into connect groups. And we don't want 100 people in these connect groups. Why? Because you lose the purpose of the connect group at that point. We want them to multiply and remain small because it's a place where fellowship and Bible study can take place. We want it to be the place where everybody knows your name. We want it to be the place where you're having closer connections and relationships with people. And so you should be raising up teachers within these groups to take on these new classes because that's what happens in connect groups. Remember what it says in verse 17? This is where you're being made complete, equipped for every good work. You're being equipped so that you could lead a group yourself. I'll never forget a conversation I had once with a, a, a pastor in Florida who was Cuban. And he was telling me, he, this is what he said. He said that Fidel Castro was one of the greatest catalysts for church planting movement in Cuba. And I looked at him like, what do you mean Fidel Castro was? I mean, he's not even a believer. He, doesn't, he, he was trying to stamp out Christianity there in Cuba. He said, oh, no, he was a great impetus behind the church planting movement because before the, the communist takeover in Cuba, there were these large churches across the country, but once they took over, they were all shut down by the communist government. And so the churches went underground, and they began to meet in people's houses, and so they figured that out pretty quick when, you know, a couple hundred people would show up at somebody's house, and so they figured that out, and then, so they made this law. And they said, you can't have more than this certain number of people in a house at one time. And so what did the church have to do? It had to multiply over and over and over and over and over again and spread all over the country. And so he inadvertently created a church planting movement across the nation of Cuba. I think about the Old Testament, the book of Exodus chapter 18 verses 19 and following. This is a, a conversation that Moses is having with his father-in-law, and he was in trouble because he was feeling overwhelmed by all the people, the Israelite people, that were coming to him, wanting him to solve these disputes and make judgments about all these various things that were happening. And in verse 19, this is what he says to him. Listen to me. I'll give you some advice, and God be with you. 
You be the one to represent the people before God and bring their cases to him. Instruct them about the statutes and laws and teach them the way to live and what they must do. But you should select from all the people able men, God-fearing, trustworthy, hating dishonest prophet, and place them over the people as commanders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And they should judge the people at all times. And then they can bring you every major case, but judge every minor case themselves. And this way you will lighten your load and they will bear it with you. And if you do this and God so directs you, you'll be able to endure. And also all these people will be able to go home satisfied. And so what's the principle that you learn there about working with people? It's that you put people in smaller groups so that you can minister to them. And that's what was happening there with the Israelite people. And his father-in-law was wise enough to give Moses instruction on how to do this. You see the same thing happen in the New Testament as there's this great number of people that come to Jesus when he's out in the fields with the disciples. And Jesus is going to feed the 5,000. There was 5,000 men, probably way more than that when you count women and children that were there gathered. And he's going to feed them. And what does he tell them in Luke 9 verse 14? He told his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. More manageable crowds, right? The same principle. Put the people in smaller groups so that you can minister to them. And that's what connect groups are all about. And so today I want you to think about continuing to move in your discipleship journey. To find that smaller group that's going to provide fellowship for you. And it's going to help you to study God's word. Because God wants you to be complete, equipped for every good work. He desires for you to know him. He desires for you to have a relationship with him and to be growing in that relationship with him. In fact, when you look at the very next verse after our verses this morning in chapter 4, you find Paul telling Timothy, listen, you've been equipped And now I'm charging you to go out and to live this out. He says in verse 1, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus who is going to judge the living and the dead and because of his appearing and his kingdom to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season, to correct and rebuke and encourage with great patience and teaching. And so he's saying to to Timothy, I want you to go and and to... and to proclaim this word, to live it out, to, to correct and rebuke and to encourage, to use this word. And you're able to do this because you are, you've been equipped, complete, for every good work. This word has been growing in your life. If you look in the verses right before ours today, and up in verses 14 and 15, he says to Timothy, As for you, continue in what you've learned and what you firmly believed. You know those who have taught you. You know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And so he's saying to him here, you have been part of this training, part of this learning of God's word. And now it's time for you to go and to live it out. And that's the charge for you today as well. To be disciples who will make disciples. And the Connect group is going to help train you to do it. It's going to prepare you in the Word. 
And as awesome as it would be if there were 1.1 million people that gathered this morning here to, to worship the Lord together, we would have to move them into smaller groups than that because that's where the training takes place. And so today it's time for you to move down the discipleship journey. So there might be some here today who are ready to take that next step in the discipleship journey. Maybe, maybe you've been a part of a connect group, but you haven't been in a long time. It's time to re-engage. It's time to reconnect with your group. Maybe you've been a member of this church for a long time, but you've never really got into a connect group. Today's the day that you can take that step. Right when we leave the sanctuary, there's two tables right in the middle of the atrium that have all the connect groups on there, all the times that they meet. And I just want you to go grab one of those and and figure out which one you want to be a part of where you can find fellowship, where you can study God's word together, you can grow in God's word together and get connected here in the big group, in the larger body. Maybe uh, you're new, you're visiting might be the first time you've been. Maybe you've been coming for a little while or even for a long while. This is where you can really get to know people in the church. It's hard to get to know people in the three minutes before and after the service in here. This is where you get to build relationships with people. This is where you get to connect with people. And so I want to encourage you to go out there and grab one of those, uh, one of those connect group lists and figure out which one that you want to be a part of. And Get connected in the body. There might be some here today who need to trust in Jesus for salvation. As we said, this whole journey is about you growing in your walk with the Lord. And it all begins with trusting in Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. As we said a few minutes ago, God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants for you to know him. In fact, he wants for you to know him so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. You had sinned, I had sinned, the Bible says that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've separated ourselves from God because of our sin. But God sent his son to pay the price for the sin that we've committed. All of our disobedience against the Lord. And when he died on the cross, he took our punishment upon himself because the wages for our sin is death. And he was placed in the grave, but he didn't stay there. Because three days later, he walked out of the grave alive. And when he walked out alive, he proved that he was the Son of God, that he was the Savior of the world, who had conquered our sin, who had conquered death for us, and he's offering to us forgiveness for our sins. He's offering to us salvation. He's offering to us a relationship with God again. And that's where you begin this discipleship journey. And so maybe that's a decision that you need to make today, to trust in Jesus as the Savior of your life. There's going to be leaders that will be here across the front in a minute. We're going to stand, we're going to sing, and if this is a decision you want to make, then come and share that with one of these leaders here at the front. Last week we talked about joining the church, becoming part of the big group. Maybe that's a decision you've been thinking about all this week, and you're saying, today's the day I want to become part of this church family. Then come, and during that same time, as we're going to stand and sing, come and share with one of these leaders across the front that today's the day I want to become part of this church family. But however God's at work in your heart today, now's the time that we're going to be doers of this word and not just hearers only. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for um, 
Lord, the gift and the blessing of the local church, Lord, where we can come together and worship, where we can come together and study your word, and that we can live out the kingdom together, and we can train and rebuke and correct and help one another in our walk with the Lord. And so, Lord, I pray today that we would see people taking steps, that we would see people that are committing to become part of a connect group today. To say, I want to I get in a smaller group where I can find that fellowship, where I can study God's word in a deeper way here at this church. God, there might be people that are ready to take that step today and to say, I want to become part of this church family. God, I pray that they would act upon what you're impressing upon their heart and they would come. God, there might be people today that are ready to take that step that first step, and to say, I want to trust in Jesus as the Savior of my life, and I want to follow after him as my Lord and King. And so, God, I pray that they would come. But God, move in our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.